Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of times when I just RMRF my system by mistake, you know? Uh, like, but every time I came back stronger. So I had like three times uh, of that iteration, of those iterations. But it's a lot You've of- You've RMRF'd your system three times? Nogli, you're oh, doing something yeah, wrong. I'm allowed to say. That's not like a, Listen, <laughs> never in my life have I done that. So I, I need a little more context. <laughs> Yo, Nagli, welcome to the pod, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yo, so, okay. I want to start out this episode. We've got a bunch of questions for you, and uh, I'm hoping we can get to the recon secret sauce in this episode, see if we can get them to spill the, spill the beans. But I wanted to start with, so uh, a while back, you know, I thought I had met Nagli for the first time or the first talk to Nagli at a live hacking event, but... Um, when I when we started chatting, Nagli sent me a message or told me that he had sent me a message back in what was it? Let's let's pull up the DM here. It was January of 2021, which actually is not that long ago when you think about it. Um, saying like, "Hey, can you look at my recon flow? Can you like validate?" And then he just drops this like massive X mind like Full mind story. map. Of like pretty much the source. I mean, it literally has all of the source code, like curl and like all the <laughs> all the commands that you're running. And I'm looking through here, and I'm like, wow, this guy is actually. Let me see what I said. I said, um, dude, that looks freaking sick. Nice work, brother. <laughs> so I mean, at this time, Nagli, had you done much hacking at this point, or were you just like kind of like building out your recon framework? Yeah. So I didn't do much recon at the time. I just did some DOD, you know, get some reputation up on my sure. hacker one account, get some private invites. I think I got like only $1,000 on hacker one when I sent you this. Oh one. my gosh. Uh, yeah, two years and like four months ago. And I just Dude. looked to validate some of my stuff with, you know, the top hackers at the time and just shoot you yeah. it all because I don't want you, my DM to get lost in your, uh, a lot of unread DMs. So I just, here is my code. Yeah, no, and it, it looked amazing. And I was I have to say, even at the time, I can tell from the way that I responded to you, like, I was like, oh, oh, dang, you know, because we, we get, yeah. as the top hackers, I'm sure you know this now, Nogli, you know, being one of the top hackers yourself. But, um, you know, we get a lot of DMs that says, like, uh, you know, hey, can you help me with this? Can you, like, validate my this and that and the other thing? And a lot of time, it's, like, really, like, basic stuff. And you're like, oh, okay. But then he drops this whole like mind map with like all of the source code, all of the bash that he's running. And I'm like, dang, this guy's pretty legit. And then we had a conversation, you know, following that of like, Hey, you know, you might want to architect it like this, you know, actually. So the advice that I gave you is, Hey, I don't really see like a message broker in here. Um, and, and so, I mean, did you ever implement a message broker or are you doing some other way to like connect all the parts to your system? Yeah, not really. I mean, there are two types of automation hackers. Either you build the whole DevOps infrastructure with message broker and containers and stuff like that. Yeah. I went to the more, you know, just bash scripts, while loops, cron jobs, okay. Axiom, and, you know, to the, the easy route, we could say. Yeah, the I mean, that's kind of like, I think we talked about it a little bit at the live hacking events, but... Um, that's, I mean, that's what a lot of the top hackers do. It, you know, you'd imagine that these people have like everything written in Rust, like distributed across all the things. But when you really talk to people, it's like, dang, there's a lot of like bash going on here and like <laughs> like really scrappy systems yeah. built up. So I, uh, I just thinking back on this, I, I am so glad that, you know, I responded to this message and we got to have that, that early interaction because... Look at him now. He is... Okay, hold on. I, I've prepped this, Nogli. Hold on. He is the newest million-dollar hacker! Whoa. You, you hear the cheering? You, yeah, You yeah, can hear yeah. the cheering, right? Okay, nice. <laughs> so, congrats on that, man. And actually, so, I mean, you said you had made maybe $1,000 on Hacker One at this point. This is January of 2021. So, you went from mating, having made $1,000 in January of 20, 2021 to being the latest million dollar hacker. Is that right? Yeah, I barely made any money on 2021. So in like only in 2022, wow. only last year it was like since Log4j just, just went off. Okay, so Log4j was a big pivot point for you or what? Yeah, I mean, 
getting some logs for jazz, you know, two hours after it was published on Twitter, just got my Nuclei scri- uh, scripts running, you know, and it got a lot of like 10k bounties and stuff like that from, uh, from programs. It was a good leap forward. Nice, man. Wow, that's cool. So, man, I feel like Log4j was not that that long ago. So you you've really you know you really scaled up quick. So okay, I'm, my goal for this for this session is to you know try to get some of the secret sauce out of out of Nogli. Try to see how much of of his uh, you know of his techniques we can I can pull out. Um, so okay, so you said Log4j was one of the, one of the big things. What other kind of what other kind of vulnerabilities are you poking around for, Nogli? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of subdomain takeovers, you know, back at the time, yeah. uh, name server takeovers, Route 53, GCP, all those kind of stuff. You know, I, back at the time, we used to get a lot of these. Now it's like yeah. three to five, very like 1K, 2K a month from, uh, each from, mm-hmm. from it. Sure, uh, sure. But just generic vulnerabilities, you know, not nothing really, really spicy at the moment. I used to... In Vegas last year, I tried to build my EC2 automation, but it's so much mm-hmm. hard work. I know the top hackers are doing it, but I'm not really in that game. But it's so hard to maintain. Yeah. You need thousands of accounts, and there's a lot of money in it. I know a lot of the top hackers are doing it, but I'm just, mm-hmm. okay, I give up on that. I don't, I don't want this hassle. Yeah, so, so when you say EC2, uh, you're talking about EC2 IP takeovers, right? Yeah, so basically you have a rotation script on your account. You try to claim IPs, and then you check your recon data, and you see if any DNS name points that selected IP, and if you get a match, then you, you okay, have to so you, you've got you've got your recon data, and then you know you've got that all built out, and then you're you're generating EC2 instances or EC2 IPs, checking the IP and seeing if like any of these DNS records that were out there were pointing to that IP, and that yeah. IP is just is getting reused and passed on to a different customer, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, that's that. That sounds like a lot. And I know I I actually dabbled in that a little bit. And I had a, for a little while I had it, you know, generating a couple grand a month off of off of findings. But um, I think you know, not too long ago, AWS sort of implemented some sort of rate limiting rate limiting surrounding that, right? Yeah, they're trying to ban your accounts mostly, and then you need new credit cards, new phone numbers. I mean, it's a whole operation that. Oh my gosh. Just too much time. I mean, I I gave up on it. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a lot more. Uh, yeah, uh, that's involved in going into that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, EC2 IP. Okay, so you've got that. You've got, so here's one of the problems that I ran into. Um, and I, I think Nogli and Joel, you probably know this, but for, for the audience, I'll talk a little bit about this. So at the beginning of my of my bug bounty career, I was kind of like, I was doing mostly just, well, I guess at the very beginning, I started off building re- reconnaissance-based stuff. And I was like, oh man, this is really hard. you know. And then I started doing just like hands on the keyboards hacking and and like diving deep into the application finding some stuff and then i was like okay you know what? i feel like i've got a little bit of a better grip on this now let's go full automation so um one of the things so i built out this whole system i probably put thousands of hours into building this system and uh, and it worked great for a couple years um, but one of the biggest problems that i ran into was getting and especially it's especially important for these things like ns takeovers and for like a- anything related to subdomain takeovers um, is getting a clear picture of the dns configuration of of an organization or an asset in practically real time right because like as soon as anything changes you need to be the one to know oh hey this just went from you know, an next domain to serve fail right now, and I need to to pull that asset. Yeah. So, I mean, how are you? How are you trying to get? What what kind of tools are you using to get that clear, up to date picture of the DNS configuration of of a you know set of assets? Um, I just use the normal open source tools. I have some. I modify them a little bit, maybe for some input output for easier, uh, so it will be more convenient for me. But I didn't mm-hmm. develop any you know innovative. Uh, Rust kind of thing because I didn't find it like I didn't need it. I didn't feel like I needed yeah. it. And uh, I used a lot of benchmarking with Mochal and Doxing. I mean, it was just fun to compete with mm. them. We have like a, a small yeah. channel of us, you know, just bashing each other, just comparing our stats. And it's yeah. very nice <laughs> to have this kind of competition, you know, and uh, do the stuff. It but is. Uh, Doxing is I know you thrive level, off so. of that, Nogli. Yeah. I know firsthand that you thrive off of that. So. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think having, you know, Joel and I were kind of talking about this last week, having hacker chats, you know, having you know, sharing with other hackers and talking to other hackers like, you know, a lot of people would say, hey, man, you need to keep your secret sauce secret and that sort of thing. But like you'd be surprised about how much better of a hacker you you, you know, become when you start sharing and starting having conversations with other hackers. Yeah, I believe that 
80% of the bugs, of the, you know, the good bugs that you submit to programs, it's either automation or collaboration. I mean, with yeah. your collaboration, you get a lot of more insights, better findings. I think that's like the bigger part of the picture when you see quality bugs in programs. Yeah. Um, so I guess this was another route that I wanted to go down. So I know just in your, in the history of Nagli becoming, you know, what he is today, that there was a big, a big pivot point was that was you starting this thing called Bug Bounty Hunters Guild. And could you tell me a little bit about that and like how that helped you improve as a hacker? Yeah, so I spoke around May of, or June of 2021. I started getting a little, you know, 10K months with my automation, and some yeah. my takeovers. And then I spoke a lot with Doxing and Mochan on different uh, Discord chats, you know, just private okay. chats that they would copy paste the text to each other and then why won't we just, you know, have a Slack group and just chat with each other yeah. and, you know, drop some stuff, some Twitter threads, some interesting things. So I just started this Bug Bounty Hunters Guild. It was like five of us maybe or six and then just invited more people that we saw over, over the leaderboards, over Twitter, and just, you know, to speak in a more uh, controlled channel. And it was great success, yeah. not only for me, but for other hackers, they made connections with each, with each other. A lot of collaborations have gone from that point. So it was very good for a while. Now, as for every Slack channel, it's decreasing in the, in the engagement over time. Some other mini groups yeah. are created, but it was very good for a year. And now it's mostly for well, games. Yeah, and I, and I feel like, you know, at some point, you, it, it's hard to keep engagement in those, in those sort of yeah. communities. But I think it's cool that as you, you know, as probably the fastest zero to a million hacker that I've ever seen, um, you know, I think it's really cool that a part of that was building a community at the same time, yeah. right? That building a community is like its own, you know, full-time job, but, you know, you built a community and you were, you know, kind of fostering growth in other hackers and like communicating with other hackers and, you know, trading, trading techniques and stuff like that with other hackers while you were building out your automation framework and getting, getting to that magical number of 10K a month on, on, on automated automated stuff so I, and I then a full-time job as well really unique yeah yeah well and of course right on top of that you actually have a full-time job which you just recently quit right uh, seven months ago i think now was it has it already been seven months since you yeah. pulled the plug on that time flies you know <laughs> oh my gosh man so you quit that and you know i guess you started you started shockwave then yeah so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, it's my own startup. I mean, I took my services into a product because it's more scalable mm -hmm. and I see a lot more value that I can bring to companies' insights when I also connect to their internal DNS stuff and the cloud security mm. posture tools. Then the biggest yeah. task is to find all the subdomains. So if I can collect it also from the inside, I can run my automation continuous monitoring uh, more easily. Uh, the point is yeah. for companies to have this, you know, automated hacker that hacks them every time and also to have a platform for them to collaborate, like to do a challenges, to invite researchers. Mm. So instead of giving you DNS zone file, you know, or text files with all the records, let's just invite you to their ASM. You will see all the assets. You can collaborate and wow. chat with others, leave notes, and then you could pull, you know, good findings. And that's like the, the goal of the, of the product, collaboration and the automation to, for companies. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what you were talking about last week, Joel, with like with the DNS records, giving the DNS host, you know, z zone zone files. Yeah, there we go. I couldn't I couldn't get it out. Giving the zone files to hackers to, you know, try to eliminate that security by obscurity thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you see too many companies do it where they just hide stuff behind like a weird complex domain or like a bunch yeah. of subdomains that nobody can find and yeah, it gets tricky for sure. And so, I mean, and on top of that, the platform is designed around, I mean, you're giving them additional recon data too, like ports and, and you know, server fingerprinting and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, everything that I would do with my automation scripts, you just sit in a GUI, I mean, getting out of the command line and uh, yeah. also getting the additional insight that I can give them. Nice. That's very cool, man. And I remember, you know, we were at a live hacking event. I think it was Vegas and you showed me the, the, no, it was, it was Barcelona. Um, and you showed me the progress that your developer was making on the front end of the GUI. And that thing is pretty man. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about, about like, how did you go about putting a GUI on this thing? And like, you know, yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. It's very hard. I mean, it's either you develop everything from scratch. And then you need a lot of developers, but a single developer in Israel, it's like one fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a yeah, year. Yeah. And you, I wouldn't, I won't just pour all my money into it before validation and stuff like that. So I took a developer from Upwork and I took a bootstrap template, you know, a template I can start from and then 
You know, sure. I, pay, I paid some money for a designer to make it look nicer and more with the brand identity. And then just developing mm. it like, I mean, I have a vision of, you know, attack surface. I, I've seen a lot of products. I know what we, as bug bounty hunters, what we want to look, want, what we want to see. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, going yeah. from that point, uh, slowly but surely. Nice, man. That's that's really cool. So, so one of the things that kind of stood out to me there was that you said that you hired a designer. Yeah. And so I know I know you have a coder, but you also had a designer. Is that correct, or is this a, a same person? Yeah. So an Upwork, like I hired a designer for a small gig, and then I hired another one for to do some LinkedIn post templates, and you no know, everything. Sure. I needed another person. Let's just grab someone paying for a short stint for a project, and then move on. You know, to grind it like a, not stopping. Yeah, I, I, dude, I love that. I love the use of delegation because like that is one of the things that I struggle with the most is like handing off things that I am not good at to people that are good at them and then just paying the money you know like it's it's so it's such a good efficiency piece um so yeah great to hear that and and I also love that you know that you did hire an individual designer aside from your coder and gave your coder you know for the front end some some you know some uh, template some design to some docs to work with because um you know the coder the coders aren't always necessarily the best designers and and vice versa right so i when i tried to bootstrap my own yeah bootstrap see that's that's a nice little pun there when i tried to bootstrap my own uh, front end my front my own gui for my my thing it was total crap because <laughs> i mean i can write front end code but i can't design front end code and so um, yeah, that was, that was really smart to go about it that way for sure. Yeah. Have you ever noticed like any struggles between getting the designers and the coders to work together? Like since they're just sort of both random people. Um, yeah. So I always like keep my developer. I create more tickets for him in GitHub and I really like detail for him, like very slowly. Like he doesn't need to speak with me. I give him a, um, an assignment and after two weeks he just speaks with me. I mean, we don't need to, I don't need to talk with him daily, you know, about stuff. Uh, but I also had some bad experiences with another developer. I tried to like move everything to React from Bootstrap, mm. which sounds like a good idea. It can protect from XSS, it will be more smooth, you know, the website and stuff like that. But it was, I mean, it didn't make sense because I developed like in two different lifespans. He developed a front end for features that we didn't develop yet. And then, so it didn't make sense. So I lost like $10,000 for it. But yeah, never mind. We'll make yeah. it up. I love that. I love that, that entrepreneurial spirit. Like, yeah. like, I feel like I would get so caught up on that. Like, ah, oh, you know, nah, why did I make this terrible move? Or like, how do I like still stick to my guts on, you know, going to react even when it's not working. So I think, I think, uh, I think that's a really good indicator of someone who's going to be successful in the entrepreneurial industry is that ability to, you know, quickly adapt, not, not trip over the failures, not trip over the missteps and, uh, and continue rolling. And I'm, and I'm sure that's the same thing that kind of got you into the, into the space where you're at with, with recon too, is like, you know, start going down a path, be like, ah, that's not going to be the right approach. And then, you know, adapt and, and change. So that's really, that's really good to see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's get back to the doc here. Joel, you got any questions you want to shoot them or should I just go off rapid fire? Yeah. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about like your recon and like, Mm-hmm. you know doing bug bounty and stuff but how did you what was like your path before bug bounty what what led you to like do bug bounty in the first place and be interested in security and all that yeah so i started uh, studying in an uh, open university uh, computer science because i always like like computer science but and i was in the army and the mm-hmm. the final year of my officers uh, like in my military service i was in a cyber security department and then I was mm. exposed to a lot of cybersecurity information, not really hands-on, more like in, like to make some slides about attacks and stuff like that, you know. But I, I got into the, wo- the world of uh, knowing attacks and stuff like that. And then I started, I took a course on Stanford. It's called Web Security, CS253. It was mm. kind of advanced course about JavaScript, cookies, XSS, and so on. But it was really good for me, you know, one practical course just to learn about some attacks. It has some labs. So it's very high level. I mean, if I will watch it again today, I will probably learn new stuff again. But this was like a nice course for me to start with. And then, I mean, Bug Bounty, it's it's good because you don't need anything from the company. You just need to open Belt and, you know, start hacking. So that's what got me into, like, investing in that kind of field and not, like, going to internal pen test, network pen testing, which is, it requires you to have 
some sort of relationship with the company before him. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's, and yeah, go ahead, Joel. Well, and then like, what made you want to eventually shift away from that? Like, what you just talked about, like it's bug bounty is nice because you don't have to have a relationship with the company. But now, as you've gone through bug bounty, now you actually are like creating relationships with the companies. You're doing internal pen tests, that type of stuff. So, what what drew you away from bug bounty and back towards that other stuff? Um, yeah, because I mean, bug bounty, you don't really know how how you will do next month. So, I mean, you don't really you can predict if you will find bugs and over the course of months, I see that I find less bugs. I mean, it's of course, many, many more people are trying to do what I do and they are succeeding in it. So I see that I get less bugs from my automation. And that's why I decided also to build my product. And I know what I could get from companies with a relationship that will make them actually more secure. I mean, they, they are using products like mine. I mean, they're using it external tax service managers, probably, you know, all the Fortune 100 companies that we're hacking, but still the focus there, it's not really the focus that we find the bugs with. And, probably malicious actors because they are more focused on outdated softwares, on NIST CVEs, on all of the stuff which are not really exploitable. And that's the big difference between us and them. So I decided to maybe try to go over that route as well. Um, but also, of course, bug bounty, I'm still doing it and grinding what's there. Mm, mm, gotcha. So how much time would you say you, you're spending doing like manual, like looking, finding new bugs, like prodding at a specific product versus just sort of running it through your whole automation suite that already exists and seeing what it re returns. This is the question, man. I love this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I barely do any manual hacking and I hate it because I can't focus. I can't find a program to focus it. And it's so disturbing. I mean, in live hacking events, I will always find a bug somehow. I don't know why. Because there is a competition. There is a, you know, uh, there is the grind. There is the, the environment. But actually doing manual hacking these days, I barely manage to do it because I can't focus on the program. I mean, if I will find a good program, I will manage to authenticate to it. I will do it, but I can't really force myself to do it. That's that's Got so in, that's so interesting because like that I've mostly interacted with you in the live hack, and we've done a lot of live hacking events together. So you know, it's it's not an insubstantial amount of interaction, but the the uh, you know I've mostly interacted with you in a live hacking event front, and that was one of the things I was going to ask you about was like. I feel from my perspective, I see you in live hacking events, right? Which is when you're like in the zone, you're like locked in, you know, you can really focus because of the competition. And I noticed that, you know, you're one of the rare exceptions uh, of people that do both recon, hardcore recon, and also hardcore hacking. Like he is in the authenticated app finding, you know, the, the you know, C-surfs and stuff like that, they, where you have to be authenticated to find it. Um, as well as also doing this mass scanning and like, look at this weird asset I found, you know, in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Um, and so that that's really interesting to hear you say that, you know, your normal approach is actually mostly just the recon and you just kind of pull that out of nowhere for the live hacking events. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I wished I could find some programs, you know, to just go all in on them for a year and make like 100, 200,000. Uh, I know yeah. it's possible, probably if I would focus, maybe if I would have a comp friendly competition with someone. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, yeah. if anyone manages, manages to figure how to incentivize, like to make us, force us, uh, collaborate on a program, it could be very good to hear. Yeah, I think. That's... I mean, that's something I've been trying to figure out forever. It's I have the same the same problem where it's like live hacking event. Something about like timing and pressure and just opportunity makes it so ripe for finding good new bugs. Yeah. And then even if you were like to come back a month later and try and hack the same program you might have like no luck or you might just like not have that same kind of energy or motivation or like creativity or anything like that. And I, I, I see that all the time where I'll be like, oh, I don't really want to hack on that. Comes up in a live hacking event. I'll spend like a month hacking on it and I'll be like, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I'll like either come back and I'll be obsessed with it or I'll like never want to hack on it again. Yeah. I, I feel like I do the same thing even with like the post event uh, stuff. Cause I'm always like, you know, at the end of the event, you still got a list of things that are like, ah, these things are kind of <laughs> sketchy. Like I, I should definitely go back and poke at these a little bit more, but then like, you know, I've got to take a break after the live hacking events too. Right. So you take a couple days and then you come back and you're like, man, this target is like awful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you don't, you don't think that when you're at the live hacking events. So it's definitely something really cool that, uh, you know, the, the platforms have going on for them there. And it's always, you know, yeah, so it's, actually, it's, it's mostly not new scopes. It's just, it's usually the same scopes and the most hardened programs. Just, uh, that's yeah. what you want to know. 
Yeah. So on that topic, like you hack on a lot of different programs, a lot of different scopes, all that kind of stuff. Do you take notes in any type of structured way? Like how do you keep track of stuff? Is it all within Shockwave or? Um, yeah, so it's very hard to keep notes. I he puts it didn't... in a DM to me, is what he does. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I'll, just add me to that. I'll, I'll help keep track. <laughs> yeah, I just shoot every piece of information to everyone that I, uh, yeah. I can. But on, on the last event on uh, Epic Games, uh, um, could we say the name? I think we could. If not, I'll bleep it. You're okay. good. Yeah. So uh, we actually, I collaborated with uh, Space Raccoon and Alex Wilson. So we used some sort of a markdown collaborative just to shoot everything on a markdown so everyone could see. I still don't have anything on Shockwave. I'm still developing. So we could leave notes on assets, you know? Then you could, if you want to share credentials, if you want to say specific things to a HTTP server, then you could really easily see it and, you know, communicate with each, with each other. But it's very hard. I mean, I don't know how, do you, how you collaborate. I know Justin is usually, like, soloing and then just getting all his leads and then you know trying to collaborate on site or and we got That's very right. nice bugs on austin as well uh, on site on a couch just popping a kid <laughs> out of nowhere uh, that was so fun dude <laughs> right in front of the fireplace like yeah. so it's very hard uh, i mean to maintain all the notes and of course it's, it's very useful uh, but i'm not doing it very well at the moment yeah i feel like i mean joe i don't know what you think about this but like i don't i don't know a bug bounty hunter that says anything different than what Nogley just said. Like, pretty much everyone's like, yeah, you know, I really should take notes, but actually I'm garbage at this. And so, like, I don't know. Do you, do you I mean, do you take notes, Joel? Do you know anybody who takes, like, really meticulous notes? Um, Meticulous notes. I, I don't think I know of anybody who takes them. Personally, I don't either take, like, meticulous notes. I do take notes sometimes, and it depends on the structure. So, like, sometimes I'll just do, like, a Google Doc or a Google Sheet yeah. or something, and I'll just dump stuff in there if that's like a good format um other times if i'm just hacking alone i might just have a text file in like vs code that i just leave on my yeah. other monitor and i just sort of dump thoughts and like bullet points um i don't think i've really gotten any further structure than that i know a lot of people um like to use notion and stuff that's yeah, pretty cool yeah. i just i don't really want to like get to the point where i'm getting distracted by formatting and writing my notes and all that kind of stuff yeah. while also trying to hack right i want it to be something that's functional yeah exactly this guy right like, here i just like yeah, write perfect. some crap down on this thing and then i like throw it in the garbage the next day i'm holding a yellow i, I forget we're on a podcast medium sometimes i'm holding just a yellow like legal pad and i just you know yeah. i just write like exactly what you said joel just like write random ideas down there and then i just throw it away which is so like yeah you yeah. know we're, i did that with the uh, sticky notes he's got the sticky notes right there so it's just like i don't know i feel like that's that's I feel like maybe that's something we could do better and it, it might be better when like I have find some really good like AI note taking thing where I can just like brain dump from a voice and have it like auto generate some cool notes or something like that. But um, for right now, you know, I, I haven't seen, well, a lot of, a lot of really talented bug bounty hunters listen to this pod. So let us know on the comments on Twitter um, on this, on this episode drop. If you, if you guys find, if you guys really do take good notes or if you found a really good system for that and if it's really added a lot of value because um, from right now, from what I can see, it hasn't really done a lot for, for most other hackers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Something that allows you to like, I don't know, maybe there's a product somewhere like a product idea in here somewhere right but it needs to be like something that's like easy to use you can just sort of dump like any type of data in there and like just needs to be easy to like manipulate and format i don't, I don't know what you know but like something like that yeah. at, at some bridge between like a physical notepad and like a google doc yeah I'm so not, we use sure, but... we use hackmd.io for uh, the fast ah, yeah. MD. it's just a markdown just you put your markdown it's it's nice but of course, I think we need Mark something down. Okay, gotcha. But it's just a markdown. You could see when everyone is editing and stuff in there. Yeah, I think cool. you actually sent me something on this. At yeah, some probably. Point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. we wrote okay, the report actually, for the collaboration. This looks pretty good, man. Yeah, I think this might be, this might be something that we need to, you know, stay on top of because yeah the, it, as long as it's got real time and marked i mean that's pretty much like the two yeah. things you need real time and markdown and i think it does have that so that's pretty that's pretty baller might have to that use this neat. more when i do collaboration cool yeah okay cool yeah so that's a that's a pretty good uh we just sort of came up with a little note no taking strategy i might i have to yeah. try that out um what would you say the like biggest thing that you've learned over 
the last you know three years especially from the escalation point starting mm. at like january 2021 like what, oh, what what are the biggest changes that you've made between like then and now that are like large structural changes to your hunting ride, process yeah. um mostly you learn a lot by trying to find bugs and not finding them then you know what to skip you know i mean probably at the beginning people would look at css files and you know and just try to find bugs on them because but there shouldn't be any bugs on css files but mostly to grind a lot everything on twitter i digest into my mind just trying to, to figure out if there's anything interesting just you know just hacking and seeing all the new techniques that come and networking is very important you know to speak with people to know how to control your temple sometimes when a program is is giving you some you know not the bounty you you expected or some other stuff that you can't control then if you can't control it you can't control it um, so that's some good stuff you know to take into 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 con- into concept yeah, it's it, it's hard, man. Uh, when you when you get a really disappointing thing in the in the beginning, but I think uh, I think, like you said, trying and failing is some of the best ways to grow, and that's so hard to tell newbies in the space because they're trying to think about you know whether they've got what it takes to succeed in the space, and you know if you just tell them yeah just keep on failing and failing and failing and failing, then it's like. You know, uh, what are they going to do with that? But I mean, that's how it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you find most of your like new stuff on Twitter or like how do you ingest like new techniques, new types of bugs, new stuff Uh, to add to your automation? Yeah, mostly Twitter. Uh, I have a feed to my email, to my spam email about all every new nuclear template because there are too many. But just see if there's anything new with my tech stack so I could just fire it over. Sometimes people reach out to me. And when they have a zero day SAS misconfiguration and they, you know, they just, they tested all the programs and now they tell me, so I tell them, okay, you can just give me the software. Don't give me the POC before I find anything. <laughs> and then uh, when I find new stuff, we collaborate 50, 50. So it's good. Uh, it's good model for me, for them. Win, win. And so that's also yeah, that's crazy. One people song. just reaching out to Nagli with zero days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I've done that. And that's kind of like Nagli's one of my go-to guys for that is, you know, just toss them, toss them a, uh, identifier for the you know vulnerable version or whatever and he's like yeah i've got like 60 of these which ones you know and and so um that's then one year later another one pops you know just exactly and i mean like still to this day and that's another thing you know that you do with the grafana bug right i'll just call it out because everyone everyone has already seen that bug but i mean nagli still messages me i think the last message you sent me was like three weeks ago of like hey another one popped up here we go again bro (laughs) you know and uh and so I always appreciate that. And so it, that actually leads me to, to wonder how many of your bugs are like collaboration versus, you know, your, your own stuff. Do you think, you know, you've got a decent, like, what's that ratio of like people com- coming to you with bugs and versus your own stuff? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had one very good collaboration with uh, Hixo from, uh, from mm. Yes We Hack, if you, if you know him. He's very good under and we nice. made other stuff. One time with uh, Mochan, we were in a Paris hacking event. With, yes, we hack. We just sat in a restaurant, we drank lemonade, you know, and then he just told me about the one time he got a lot of takeovers from a, from a vendor. And then I told him, oh, why won't I just sign up to that vendor? And then uh, we made 64K out of that simple lunch. No way. Uh, yeah, so that Crazy. was a fun one. I, sometimes I get collaboration, sometimes not, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I had a, I had a lot of bugs with uh, with collaborations with each other. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, are there other are there areas like specific topics that you feel like you're really lacking knowledge and you want to spend time like learning and expanding? Yeah, probably mobile. Uh, you have your previous. I, di- I didn't. I didn't hear your previous. Uh, Why do we have an episode yeah. for you? Yeah. <laughs> Two even. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually listen to the episodes in the gym all the time, but this one maybe I don't want to listen to in the gym because I want to install stuff or see some stuff, you know? So for the next live hacking event, I also may, I might need some mobile uh, knowledge. So that's an area that I'm, I'm looking to go further in. Then that's probably it, I guess. Nice. Cool. Well, you can always hit me up, dude. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm around. Joel is like, I always hit Joel up for mobile stuff, and he's just like the wizard the of knowledge with that. And if he, there's the bonus. Here's the bonus thing that makes collaborating with Joel so great, is if he doesn't know, then you have just sparked him. 
you have nerd sniped him to go figure yeah. out what it is yeah. because I'm going to get insta nerd sniped. Yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not the kind of guy that should be like, Oh yeah, not really sure. See ya. You know, no like, idea. no, let me know what you find out. Yeah, yeah. no, it's going to be like, huh? Not sure. And then you get a message five minutes later. Hey, I think it might be this 10 minutes later. I think it's no, maybe it's this, you know, and it just goes down that hole. So I always appreciate that. I mean, not everyone, not everyone can do that, but I, it's always, it's great when, um, when, you know, you've got another brain like Joel's to work on it with you and kind of, you know, work, work to the end of problems. So I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy collabing with Joel so much and asked him to do this podcast is, you know, we, we really, it, well, to put it concisely, he's nerd snipable. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because we've had all these conversations about like collaboration and stuff and so much of Bug Bounty, like really good bugs ends yeah. up being collaboration. Yeah. I think a part of that is just that it takes a lot of different perspectives and smart minds to attack a problem from a different perspective to come up with those different ideas, right? So, um, you know, you're sitting in a in the coffee shop in France and you're t- chatting with this this other hacker, like, hey, how can we find this? He's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I did this thing. And then you have this unique idea, right? Why, why don't we just sign up for it? <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. those types of things, like it might seem obvious, but like it just takes that extra perspective and that extra like experience that you have had to maybe you've done that in the past right and it might work on this target or maybe you were just you know you saw a video or something and you you thought oh maybe that'll work here and so that that amount of combined experience and that combined like context altogether is what i think like really makes the the in-person collaborate i mean it doesn't have to be in person but like collaboration in general just like really elevates your bugs i mean you don't have to know everything I tweeted like two years ago, like a phone book, you know, I have my own phone book to, <laughs> to message anyone, you know, I have a friend of Vishai, so he doesn't do much bug bounties, but he knows how to find XSS everywhere. I mean, no matter the target, no matter how, so it's very, you know, convenient. Another subdomain, another endpoint, here is XSS, you know, this kind of stuff. So it, I mean, I have a phone book for anyone, I will reach out for a certain, you know, kind of thing that's stable upon. So that's, that's also very nice if you don't, you can't learn everything, you know, so just play to yeah. each one's... Uh, yeah for sure and and i think in addition to that everyone doesn't you know each individual person has their own holes in knowledge as well and those also can be helpful this is what i tell my mentees a lot too is like you know you bring a new perspective to this target that i don't have because i've got trained eyes and i've got experience you know, looking at this thing before and think, ah, you know, that's never been vulnerable in the past. So it's never going to be vulnerable again. And sometimes, you know, these, these newer people don't have that. So they start going down this path and then, and then, you know, a lot of times they'll show me stuff. They'll be like, Hey, this feels kind of odd. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that like a thousand times and I have never seen it do that actually. And so, you know, it's really just to encourage any, any of, of the new people that are listening here is like, you know, you you think you can always ping you know an experienced hacker and be like hey you know uh, is this is this you know something that I should look into or not something that I should look into and sure there you know a lot of times we're gonna all come to the same conclusion but there's there's a lot of value in going through that process and understanding because we miss stuff you know Joel missed stuff Nagli missed stuff and and you're you're the listener you you have a unique perspective that we don't have and uh, that will lead you to find bugs. And that, and that's okay. Hold on. Hold on. I got to calm myself down a little bit here because I'm getting more hype. This is how at the live hacking events, he's going off. I'm going off, man. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. No, but this is how at the live hacking events, like you said, Joel, they're hardened targets and we always, always drop crits and destroy the target like in without fail. And, uh, and so it's like, you know, time and time again, so many eyes have been over that, but each individual person brings a new perspective and, you know, can drop new crits or find new pathways where, where exploitation can happen. So anyway, sorry, I, I, I went, 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 went full, uh, you know, bug bounty evangelist there, but you, you guys, you know, you see, the, you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you raised some great points. Like first, like the whole trained eyes thing that happens to me all the time. And like, I'll, I'll think like, Oh, there's no way that could happen. Or like you'll, somebody will describe me, but you'll describe it like, to be just, yeah. we'll be talking and be like, Hey, I have this weird behavior. I'll be like, are you sure? <laughs> and like, I'll immediately like think like, mm, I'm not sure about that. And then like, it's, it, you know, it ends up being the case. I think the most recent case was this import thing. And, and like JavaScript, yeah. there's like this import function. And it's like the whole trained eye thing is like, you know, if you just get too comfortable like being like oh i've seen that before i'm pretty sure i know how this works like that that new perspective of coming in and being like i have no idea how this works is like great to just 
expand your like your mind a little bit you know just like think more about the problem think is this possible and try those different things that you wouldn't have ever tried before yeah okay all right we we i i totally agree with that and i could vibe on that shit all day but i'm gonna rein us back in i'm gonna get us back to the doc i'm gonna okay. get us back, back to, to op- optimizing the time with Nagli here yeah. um and then joel and i can just rant about that shit on a different episode <laughs> but yeah. um Okay, so this is one that I had on there, and this is uh, I'll I'll explain. Okay, so let me just say the question first. What I want to ask is how much of your time do you spend coding versus hacking, Nugly? And I think I know the answer to this, but this was my problem with the recon game, you know. And and I think we talked about this actually at a live hacking event, Nugly. But my problem was that I really enjoy going up against a hard hacking problem and solving that. And when I was in the recon game. I felt like I spent 80% of my time, and maybe it's because I'm a shit programmer, but <laughs> I felt like I spent 80% of my time coding and much less of my time actually exploiting. So, I mean, what does that ratio look like to you and how do you feel about that ratio? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of times when I just rmrf my system by mistake, you know? Uh, like, but every time I came back stronger. So I had like three times uh, of, that iteration, of those iterations. But it's a lot. You've RMRF'd your system oh, three times. Yeah, hold on a second. You're you, doing something the, wrong. Like, uh, listen, I, never in my life have I done that. So <laughs> I, I need a little more context. I mean, one time, the, le- the last time, it was like two years ago, maybe. And it's just, I ran Axiom and I wait for the results. And then I can't log into my, to my server. I mean, it's just password not no. working. And then somehow it ran RMRF. I don't know why. I don't know how. And then I, <laughs> since then, I modified my Axiom and I never updated it for like one year and a half. So my Axiom is like not updated because I can't risk having RMRF on my system. But now I do, this is why I have today 20,000 commits on GitHub because I, I back up my code and my recon data every 30 minutes. So uh, mm. that's like what I did because of that. But it's a lot of bug fixes, a lot of, uh, it's like you said, a lot more time to fix the codes and the trivial stuff that are not working instead of, Hacking. Or sometimes you add a domain and which has one million subdomains, ten million subdomains, and it blows up your automation. So there's a lot of edge cases that you need to take care of when you want to have the one that you know that to worry. I mean, I can fly for a week now and it, nothing will happen. So that takes a lot of time to to reach that level. Yeah, it absolutely does. And and I mean, do you? I mean, obviously, we're all hackers. But do you do you consider yourself? I mean, from a day to day basis, do you think you spend more time coding than hacking? Um, no, I'm, I mean, most of my stuff already coded. I mean, I, all the Python mm-hmm. scripts, all the best scripts, all the security mindset. Every time I see new feature that can be automated, I will code it. But mostly I'm researching today, you know, just seeing new stuff that pop up, hacking. I mean, I don't have any much more to contribute in the coding part. I mean, I don't know how to code Django for my system backend and front. I wish mm-hmm. I know, but like that's, it's hard. Even with ChatGPT, it can help you a lot, but it, is. it can't help you with the whole architecture, you know, of uh, of everything, but yeah, I mean, ChatGPT literally converted all my VSC to Python, for example. I mean, just copy, paste, wow. I mean, you need some iterations, no but way. that's very, it's very good use case if you want to transform to another language. It's not good for complex architecture, uh, back and front uh, servers, but mm. for, for our scripts, it's very, very easy to use. Wow. So, so do you have plans to integrate AI like into your product at all, or what's the plan? Yeah, so I have a simple integration when you add a report. So I will take your title, the severity, and the endpoint. Then I could I could guess what you want to report with references, with AI. So it's like, if you report a gray log log for J, you will see also the, the AI will know the references for the patch and stuff like that. So that's like a cool feature. Another cool feature, I mean, auto triage, it's something I plan. If you if my, my clients will make a VDP page or BBP on their website, and they will submit a bug, then I will give it a keyword, let's say of a, uh, SSL or uh, you know uh, mail config mm-hmm. uh, you know all those kind of stuff that you don't want to see you could just very easily have an AI that uh, detects it so you know for those kind of stuff auto triage I think it's very good for literally finding new bugs I don't have any use cases yet with automation uh, for JavaScript files it's probably very good uh, to analyze JavaScript files but yeah. I don't see any I mean it can't make my stuff faster for now so in that front mostly JavaScript files I think can be very good to analyze it yeah, JavaScript files would definitely seeing someone spin something up that like the problem is you know they're so long you know and yeah so you need to getting, make a lot of uh... 
Yeah, it, it, you know, you can't just dump all of that into yeah. ChatGPT all is so easily. And even when you do, you're you're hitting, you're probably, you're definitely going to hit the ChatGPT token memory limit, you know, where it doesn't remember the stuff you put in from the beginning. So it's not going to be as simple as like just using the API, dumping all the pieces in and saying, hey, tell me about what I just dumped in there. I think it's got to be a little bit more complex. But when it is... Whew, that is going to be helpful. That is going to be really yeah. helpful because um, nobody likes reading minified JavaScript. It makes our eyes bleed. We know. Um, so yeah, that would definitely be cool. Cool. So Nagley, you, you travel a lot, right? Like you, you're always going to live hack events. So I always see you on planes and all that kind of stuff, right? Is that, is that pretty accurate? Uh, I mean, yeah, I traveled like t to 10 live hacking events last year. Um, I think it started with Dubai, Paris, Denver, Austin, Vegas, uh, Singapore, Barcelona, Copenhagen, and then Florida. This so it's like it was like ten, I think, maybe less. Dang, that's I crazy. Think 10. <laughs> that's a lot of plays. Yeah, I, I've done that. I've done ten in a year as well, and that is uh, that is like that is a grind. That is a grind for sure. Um, when you're on planes, are you hacking? Are you coding? Are you bug fixing? Are you sleeping? Podcasting? What do you What do you do on planes? Yeah, I, I mean, I buy the wife. You know, most of the flights to the US is like 15 hours. So I buy the. I try to code a little bit, but usually I will just you know uh, watch some Netflix and uh, if if I buy myself business, maybe I'll try to sleep. But I, I, it's hard to you know to commit in plane to code or to, to do some stuff. But um, yeah. It's, pretty hard uh, to do it on a long flight got it got it so would would you say a lot of your money goes to business class upgrades <laughs> that's where that that million is going yeah. so fast he's flying business class across yeah. the ocean yeah not not much i mean mostly it's premium economy sometimes i allow myself to fly uh, you know in the emirates i mean i had to experience it once and uh, why not i mean i don't spend my right. money anywhere so i should spend it uh, on something Cool. Yeah. No, that was actually one of our questions. Is like, what? Where's all the money go? Because like, billion dollar hacker, yeah, falling out of control, right? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't. I mean, I'm very conservative. I could say I just all my money now is mostly is on money market fund. It's like five percent a year, very solid. I can cash it out whenever I want. I didn't buy any real estate or any you know major uh, stuff. It's mostly paying for my expenses when I'm traveling, uh, eating in restaurants, you know, and, uh, and and for the flights and hotels. And uh, yeah, maybe in the future, you know, I'll buy some, uh, you know, some cool stuff. Saving up for the private jet. We, yeah. we, we have a different idea of conservative because Nagli's like flying and he says, most of the time it's premium economy. I wouldn't go down to super basic economy like this. Hey, hey, listen, needs, listen. You, know, you got to like, spend $50 on a plane. Oh, you got to you gotta draw the line somewhere, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I don't know, man. I like... I don't know. I, they're just not that uncomfortable for me. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm like, like perfectly the average, you know, height dimension, you know, sort of guy. And so everything was designed for me, which is really nice. But, um, but like, I don't know. I sit in this this seat, and then I open my laptop and I do some stuff. And then I, I mean, even on the flights to Japan, it's not that bad. So, I, I don't know. I, I. Uh, I, I never invest in the in the business class flight. I mean, do you, Joel? I feel like you're the same sort of dimensions. <laughs> I I definitely I definitely do sometimes. Like it depends. I think for me the line is like anything over eight or nine hours, I'll probably upgrade to at least premium economy. Gotcha. And depending on the price of the upgrade, I might go to business. Yeah. Just because like uh that's like a full day of just like that's sitting true. in a cramped chair like next to a bunch of people, just like Ian Carroll yeah. has a formula, he it, told me. Yeah, you know, Ian Carroll, he flies first class all yeah. the time. So he told me $100 yeah. for an hour, it's what you should pay if you want to fly business. I mean, maximum <laughs> for the upgrade. So it has like very specific formulas there if you want to calculate if it's, if it's cool. worth it or not. You know, it, it's kind of interesting though. Like he, when you say it like that, even I don't really like, you know, you're paying $100 an hour to be transported across the world. You know, Indeed. like yeah, in slightly yeah. more comfort. It, it's actually yeah. not that. I mean, that's pretty good. You yeah. know, like I don't know. Yeah. So that yeah, it depends on perspective, right? Like I, I think the most expensive business upgrade I ever did was to Singapore, and that was like yeah, I did it a couple well. thousand. Yeah. yeah, but it's like for for me from SF even like from West Coast, it's, it's yeah. like nineteen hour flight there. Yeah, it's like 
19 hours like what do you do in a in a, in a tube for 19 hours like i want to recline yeah. that's what i want to do <laughs> like, yeah. i don't know now that 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 makes sense i i think i don't know maybe maybe we'll see someday especially you we're know, gonna convince justin's flying first yeah, from now let, on let me just go upgrade my <laughs> check my flight upgrades really quick clickety clackety um but uh but also you know hey united's got a bug bounty program and i will say uh, you know just to be fair because this is how we do it here I haven't had the best experience with the United Bug Bounty program, but the bounties are great. You know, if you get if you get the bounties, the bounties are really good um, as far as like how far those points go, and especially if you're you know you know how to get. And now I'm I'm really showing my 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 conservative side. If you know how to get the super economy saver deals, <laughs> then you can get some really good um you know redemption rates for those points. So they do they do yeah. they do tax you on them, which is a little bit of a bummer if you're a U.S. citizen. But this is another hack. You heard it here, and it's not tax advice. You can just write them off as well if you use them for business. So. Um, mm. You know, that's that's kind of the way I've been I've been dealing with it. And who knows, maybe I should I should splurge a little bit more and go uh, and go business sometime. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about flights, Andy and Carol, you mentioned um, that he has like a calculator and stuff. He also has that site um, seats dot arrow. And that's like all around points. Yeah. Yeah. He has this website called seats dot arrow. And it like it looks for basically like last minute, like airlines like to sell off their their empty seats at like basically mile only rates for like it'll be like 40,000 miles plus $100 or $10 or something and instead of like a full size first class ticket and if you are you know looking for a flight and you have the points for it you can usually snag those up like pretty last minute like for pretty cheap um and so he has a whole like website to track all that stuff so if you're hacking on united and you have a lot of united points and you're looking for a good way to spend them seat side is probably a good way to find some of those flights this is his site yeah no way, dude. Way to go. This is awesome. Seats.air. So S-E-A-T-S dot A-E-R-O. Seats.air. Seats.air. Yep. Huh. Pretty dope. Yeah, Ian flies, flies a lot. He's a, he's a cool dude. We should we should try and have him on here some, sometime because that man is uh, he's doing a million things at the, dude, at the same time. Great it's so hacker. Cool. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't, I didn't know idea that he could program as well. This, is, this, this website, though, very much gives me... Um, What's that guy's name? Was it like links.io or something like that? Links.io. Yeah, hold on. I don't know if I we're we're getting we're getting off the hacking topic here, but there's this guy links.io that does uh, AI. Let me see if I can find it. I can't find it right now, but he does like AI um he does Nomad List. That's the that's the name Nomad of the company. List. And, oh, Levels.io uh, is his name on Twitter. What is it? Levels.io is name Levels, on Levels, that's what it was. Yeah, thank you. And I just, if you look at all of his sites, he talks about how, like, he just really, like, quickly spins stuff up yeah. and, like... He has a PHP endpoint that shows him, like, his, uh, his uh, MRR and, and those stuff, you know? Yeah, and that's so cool. Like, if I was going to be a creator, I would definitely go down this route. And also, you know, he talks about how he just iterates with... All he just does jQuery and Bootstrap and and PHP yeah, on the PHP. back end, and he just pushes out these amazing sites. So, it, this <sighs> Seats.Arrow really gives me that sort of indie levels yeah, levels indie vibe. Yeah, it's a it's another one of those like experienced like trained eyes versus amateur eyes thing. Like if your if your eyes get too trained, you start to like if you say I went to write one of these, I would absolutely spend way too much time time trying to make it perfect Same. and like nice for the user and whatever mm-hmm. instead of just. keeping it simple and just iterating on it you know yeah absolutely um all right we are approaching the hour mark here let me see what else i got on the list uh if i don't have too much else then we might have to go into those um vulnerabilities that we were talking about um okay actually let me ask this so you know you said the tech stack is largely bash so let, let me just I'm just gonna check this this fact. So bash, you've got um, you've got you know you're wrapping uh, the actual other other tools right, and then you said you have Django for for um, that's for Shockwave, but you weren't using that at all before. Yeah, I'm still not using it for my uh, for my you know my automation for bug bounty. Just Python, Bash, uh, Axiom, DigitalOcean, Linode, you know, 
in cron jobs in like there. text files uh, yeah text oh of course, of course text files <laughs> yeah, like where do you store yeah, all the you, data you don't yeah, need yeah, where's like, the database <laughs> i have folders i have uh, folder recon dash assets dash root domain dash HTTP server. So you're telling me I could be a millionaire with TXT files and folders? Oh Holy my shit. gosh. It's only input <laughs> output. I mean, where is the. I mean, why do you need a database to read and write? I don't know, man. I just feel like, you know, even when I was using back in the day, I, I used Mongo because it was just really handy. But like, I was kicking myself for not utilizing, like, you know, a real SQL database, you know, like MySQL or something like that with, you know, all these different relational queries you can do. Trained eyes. Yeah. Trained eyes. And, you know, boom, he just goes straight for the bash and TXT files and Great. a lot of other. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Grab. He says, oh, yeah, for the database? <laughs> is it, uh, yeah, this is, I don't know if you ever heard of this. It's pretty unique. It's called grep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's good. Um, all right. Cool. Well, you know what? There, we can't get anything out of them from the stack because there's nothing in the stack. Yeah. It's just bash and text scripts. files. Like, and can't get more simple than this. He's like telling us how it all works. He's yeah. like, what, what do you want He's from like, me? He's like, actually just breathe bash. I'm fluent in bash. Just speaks bash to the computer and it understands. Um, okay, so let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the reports a little bit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let's see. So yeah, why don't you start off with the web cache uh, deception one, Nogly. So anyway, let me let me just explain this to the audience real quick. So you know, when the guests come on, we want to have we want to have them talk about reports rather than our reports that we are quickly burning through on on the podcast here. So we're going to have Nogly talk about a web cache deception uh, vuln that he found on ChatGPT, which totally blew up on Twitter, and then also a. Uh, a SSRF from a live hacking event that we've done recently that we will not share the name of the target for Nogly. Again. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I will have to bleep it. But yeah, so hit us with the web cache deception one, man. Yeah, so lately, you know, uh, we, we are in a kind of a Discord with Sam Carey and well and just, you know, looking for random yeah. targets once every few days to hack. So it was ChatGPT Day. They just introduced the, the plugins and it was very exciting. So I just said, why not look at it for a little bit? And with Bell. And then I never actually, I mean, I found cache deception sometimes on live hacking events in Denver. I found it and I think on another one, but I never tried the bypasses, you know? So I saw, I saw some stuff, how it powers, how it authenticates you with the ChatGPT and stuff like that. And then I saw this mm -hmm. API endpoint that just gives you your JWT and all your authentication, authenticated data. And I thought, well, let's see if it caches. I mean, I read some write-ups. I know that you, if you can add static files and the endpoint still, you know, functions the same and you could still get a hit so you have a bug here so i just you know just tried test.css and oh i got a hit from the cache server it means there's something here so it was pretty no straightforward way. just shoot him an email in four minutes he answered to me i wish they had a bug bounty program it's probably like ten four minutes yeah four minutes it's oh my a, gosh dude if we could get that sort of response in like actual bug bounty programs yeah. that'd be crazy and then let alone you just shot this guy an email yeah, I know that guy was, he was managing one of the biggest programs for background. The guy who manages OpenAI VDP mm. now. Uh, really? Okay. I bet they will have a bug bounty program soon. So probably I lost like 10 to 25,000 uh, if it was a P1. But uh, well, the exposure and you know, the, the, the publicity was very good for it. And it was a very fun bug, you know, to find a bug on the early days of AI and those kind of systems is very cool. And there is a lot of web bugs to find on those stuff for sure. Yeah, wow, dude. This uh, this tweet really, really blew up. So you did get some good exposure there. Um, for those of you that are at a computer listening to this, if you go to the description, we'll link the tweet um, that we're talking about, uh, or you can just look up Nogly on Twitter, um, But which you should be doing anyway to follow mm -hmm. him at Nogly Nogly. Yeah. Uh, Nogly Nogly. Nogly Nogly. <laughs> Nogly twice. Dude, you, were, you actually made me really wonder. So you mentioned like most of the time you see something – you don't try and bypass it do does your whole automation system and all the alerts do you have it alert you for like non-findings if that makes sense like stuff that is weird but needs probably a little bit of extra like human effort to fully exploit or do you just sort of just cut your losses with that stuff and yeah i have some kind of automation that allows me for new interesting domain that just became publicly accessible and stuff like that so it's not a finding but with a quick look i could probably see if there is anything here to explore or not I wish I could, you know, make something with FAF and directory brute force, like t t most common 10,000 words, but it's, it's very much, it's hard asset, but you could find some good stuff with it if you keep monitoring your stuff uh, over and over. 
Gotcha. Nice. Cool. So I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at this tweet, and um I don't know what is it like the fifth fifth tweet down or whatever. You talk about receiving the um CF dash cash dash status response um set to dynamic, right? So normally um when you see dynamic, you know that's like a bummer, right? Because it's, yeah. it knows that you're not you know that this is changing content, but it's it's still an interesting thing that that indicates you that there is some caching mechanism in place right so then you know from there you can sort of uh you know he, he for any of you that aren't super familiar with web cache reception you should absolutely go find this tweet because he does a brilliant job of of outlining how it actually works and you even show the default cached file extensions from cloudflare in there yeah which i did not have a list of before so that's um that's really awesome and it might even be cool to even build some automation that tries all of these endpoints or tries all of these extensions and on every single one because maybe they fixed like the one for PNG and JPG or even WAF but like some of this stuff like you know what is this dot .zst yes. some weird extensions over there yeah. Have you already turned this into an automation or is this just sort of like a one-off? Yeah, it's hard because everything that relates to endpoint, it's very hard. I didn't figure it out. I know some people did, but using Gao and having, you know, a, short, a small amount of output eventually, it's very, it's super hard problem. Uh, I mean, to find APIs on authenticate and stuff like that. So I didn't really do any automation with it. Mm. Nice. Gotcha. Well, this is a really impactful one. So then after you put, you know, test.css at the end, it cached the response. And then from an unauthenticated perspective, anybody could come hit slash test.css and we would find your your um, auth access token, right? Yeah, I tried it with Joel. We went to his VPN and just, you know, he went to my link, then I got his JWT. And now I see all these interactions. Yeah. You know, I still do. So what you're saying is Joel has your access token to ChatGPT. No, 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 no. The other way. Other way. He has mine. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Joel, you fool. You, you I know. Always... I'm doomed. He's going to steal my bugs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Um, okay, cool. So let's let's hit uh, that SSRF then. So this is a really fun bug. I'll intro it for, for you, Nogli. Um, this was a bug that... Nagli and I and a couple other people found at a live hacking event that we went to recently. And um, yeah, I think it's just a really good example of collaboration, taking things a little bit, little bit further and also just like a pretty, you know, when you think about SSRF as a vuln type, you think about hitting internal, internal assets and stuff like that. But there are some other uh, things that you should be keeping your eye out for, which we'll learn about in just a sec. So Nagli hit us with the, the details on that one. Yes, it was the final day of the on-site event. So we were hacking for like two weeks for this very, very small web app. And I just, you know, someone taught me, Jonathan Bowman, if you know him, he's a doctor and he's a hacker mm. as well. So he just taught me Dr. how to Bowman. use a Burp Active Scanner. I never used it before because it's, it's never, it never finishes. So I, I, I just said, why not? Why not just fire it over my, uh, my Recon data? And it found the most weird SSRF that no one could ever found because for every endpoint that I crawl, it just try to end slash HTTP and, you know, the Burp Collab, the URL, and you will never, you would never try it on the endpoint that it actually found it. So when I open my computer at night, just, you know, we, we, we were hacking late night in your room, and then uh, I just saw, oh, what is this weird external DNS interaction alert? And then we saw we actually had SSRF uh, on the instance. And when, we, when I looked at my collaborator, so we saw there is a JWT. So it was only external, it was like, you could say blind SSRF, mm. but when you point to your server, it included a JWT for super admin. And then, you know, we try to, to see how further, how far can we take this vulnerability to. So we, no one would ever find it if we, you weren't just fuzzing some weird endpoints in past. Yeah. And, uh, and it won the best, the most critical bug in the event. Also. Yeah, man, that was such a fun one because yeah. it literally like, you know, we were like, okay, and when you see where it injects the payload, it literally injects, you know, normally when you've got an SSRF, it's like, okay, you know, clearly a URL, it goes here or like a host name goes here and then we can manipulate that. This was just like six directories deep, something really Yeah, unexpected. and it was just like slap it at the end of the URL with HTTPS included and everything. And it would just yeah. hit that. So that was that was kind of nuts, actually. I, I still don't understand fully how that happened on the back end, but... Um, yeah, having that bearer mm -hmm. leak is, was really, was really huge. And I've seen this at a couple different live hacking events as well. So whenever you get a callback on your burp collaborator, don't just, you know, freak out and, you know, start thinking about, Hey, what, what sort of internal stuff can I hit? Double click into the request, 
read it thoroughly, look at the user agent, look at the authorization, look at any other headers that are going along there that might indicate to you what kind of softwares are being used or what kind of additional information is being leaked. And you might end up with the uh, best bug of the event like Nogly here. So, oh wait, hold on. Yeah. This is another opportunity for me to do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting, the burp active, active scan stuff, because that's one of those features I also like never touch. Uh, there's a lot of features in burp that I just like, they, they either didn't work for me one time and I just stopped using them or I don't fully understand the best way to use them and i just like skip over them and yeah now i'm gonna have to now i'm gonna go learn how to use it yeah so give us the rundown i mean what did he teach you there Nobly? i mean i think it broke for me again because it doesn't finish for me today as well <laughs> but it actually just showed me that you can untick some stuff and then it won't run forever you know because uh, so you can untick for... this the scans like yeah. it you know like all right should i like you know, download this whole JavaScript file and, and analyze it for six hours. Yeah, button, I mean, you don't you know, want it to look for, for all the stuff, the zip zipping, DOM XSS, you know, some stuff. Yeah. You want to focus on the stuff. That it might help you, you know, with the most critical and the and high stuff. And you want it to finish. This is the most important part. Yeah. So creating your own custom scan profiles, that's a, that's a, a pro tip right there. So you get more value out of, out of, because I think, you know, it's a little bit designed for taking a long time and someone who's just really like, you know, the, the, the red team person for their, for their company or whatever. And is just going to let this scan run for week. forever. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, as a bug bounty hunter, we've got a little bit of a different agenda there. So creating your own scan profiles. That's a good, that's a good takeaway there. Um, all right. We are just over the hour mark. Um, I since we finished the reports, I think uh, that's all I got. Joel, you got any, anything you want to pick Nagley's brain about? Dude, that that was it. I mean, this was awesome. Yeah. Just getting to hear your insights about how, how you approach things and how you set things up and how your whole recon works and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's really exciting to see you building it into a product too. Yeah, for sure. Nagley, you got anything you want to uh, you want to share here at the end? Anything you want to promote? Um, No. I will promote the podcast, you know. If you're listening to this ah. podcast, you should listen to the podcast. Ah, oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, wow. it's not it's not very good to generate leads from from the ones who are already listening. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was great speaking with what you. A, yeah. What a guy! What a guy! She's using his his fifteen seconds here at the end to promote the the podcast. I will say though, I will say, you know, we were we've we've you know from time to time we'll be like we'll come on here and we'll be like hey you know please, you know subscribe on what the heck. Sorry, something just it's fell off my wall. Just... <laughs> uh, <sometimes, laughs> we'll say, you know, subscribe on YouTube or whatever. But one of the biggest ways that podcasts grow, uh, and we also talk about the hacker chat, so it's really relevant, is word of mouth, you know? So drop, if you, you know, do us a solid. Do give Nogli some pay for his for his uh, his trip on here and share the podcast uh, in your, your hacker chats or your discords or whatever, and or even tell a friend in person. And because Nogli was so kind to shout out the pod instead of shouting himself out, I will say definitely keep an eye on Shockwave, um, his, his, uh, his startup that he's doing. Um, you can find it. We'll link it in the, in the description of the podcast as well. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's about it. That's the pod. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. All right. Sweet. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. Thank you very much. Catch you later.